Good morning, friends. What a joy it is to be able to share this word with you this morning. Our scripture for today comes from Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through 14. Listen for Paul's letter to the Romans. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know what time it is how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. The grass withers, the flowers fade, the word of our Lord shall stand forever. Please pray with me. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Melt me, mold me, fill me. Use me, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Amen. Well, if you spend more than about 10 minutes with me, you will learn that I am a sucker for reality television. And not just any type of reality show. I have a particular soft spot for the wickedly bad, yet somehow mesmerizing love stories of the Bachelor franchise. Yes, I know, though I am recording this for you all to watch from the comfort of your own homes on Sunday morning, I can already hear your laughter and groans. This television series truly defines guilty pleasure for me. You might be wondering why I continue to tune in to this rather predictable and cringe-worthy series. Each season is the same. There's always the fan favorite that doesn't get chosen in the end, a crowd least favorite, and then there's the short-lived relationship after the show. I know. My experience watching this show is quite literally a broken record. But yet, I keep coming back because I love love. 
And I'm quite confident that I'm not alone in this. If I were to get in my car and turn on my radio, the chances of hearing the word love occur multiple times in a song are rather high. Additionally, in the New Revised Standard Version translation of the Bible, readers will encounter over 500 variations of the word love. The object of love is just about everywhere. It's found in our books, on our news feed of various social media platforms. It's in a commercial printed on a piece of clothing or jewelry. It's on a sign. It's painted on Monument Avenue. We find the object of love featured on a guilty pleasure TV show, in our scripture, in music, and more. Love is in the air, all right. But Paul is here to tell us that that is just not enough. This is quite the turnaround for Paul, who was just previously speaking to the importance of tax and revenue. But in verse 8, Paul moves from the language of tax, tax returns to the language of love. Owe no one anything except to love one another. He moves from taxation to obligation. With the mention of love, the scope of the imperative has changed. No longer is Paul talking about paying bills, but rather about seeking the neighbor's highest good. Commentators have noted that this transition, the move from fulfilling one's obligations to living in love, is the same one Jesus made in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, when he said, You have heard it said, but I say to you, you have heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This type of shift reiterates Paul's motive to teach a community to learn how to love. We find Paul building up to the exhortation in verse 10, where he mentions a summary of four out of the Ten Commandments. His choosing helps to illustrate what a loving community looks like by lifting up the commandments that deal with our relationships with other people rather than our relationship with God. Here, the instruction to love one another as a communal unit becomes a declarative. Now, because my professor of the Pauline letters is likely watching worship from the comfort of her own home this morning, I must address Paul's use of language. In verse 10, Paul uses a form of the Greek word agape for love. Here, agape translates as a verb, an action word. Agape is a high form of love that is devoted to the well-being of the beloved and is the kind of love with which God loves us. It is unique to the Greek language and is best defined through action. This might seem like a no-brainer, right? Of course we know how to love. We attend this wonderful church. We partake in all these mission opportunities. We pray at night. We have family and friends that we check on. We are invested in love. However, friends, 
what Paul has identified for us in this passage is that being loving does not equate with the fulfillment of the law. We live in a society that loves love. But Paul is instructing us to be a community that does love. That selfless, communal, challenging, hardworking, patient, agape love that God calls us to grow into. Earlier this week, as I began my initial sermon prep, I came across some rather surprising search threads about relationships. In particular, the title that caught my eye the most was, Is Love Enough to Keep a Relationship Going? This was an article with an interview by psychologist Dr. Joshua Clapo. Though this article is not explicitly Christian, it does mirror Paul's letter to the Romans by identifying the tools in which humankind requires in order to sustain a loving relationship. Clapo describes love as the most powerful but least defined element of a relationship. He writes, Love is the fuel and the fire that has the potential to keep a relationship connection burning, but love is a feeling. It cannot create all the skills and actions that are needed to keep a relationship healthy. Love without compatibility, love without compromise, without self-examination and self-improvement will never sustain a healthy relationship. This is Paul's idea of fulfilling the law. To build a loving community, which means we have to be willing to put in the work. Even the love of Jesus Christ, the strongest love known to Christians, requires compatibility, compromise, self-examination, and self-improvement. This love Paul is seeking to cultivate is the marriage of a physical and emotional connection so unstoppable, so powerful, that it had to suffer a lynching in order for humankind to begin to grasp the power of it. In Paul's final sentences to the Romans, he mentions one final instruction, to put on Jesus. This metaphor actually echoes an image from Galatians 5, where the Apostle Paul draws a map for those who chose to follow this migration of love. In doing so, Paul illustrates that love is a choice for each Christian to make. Similarly, in Paul's letter to the Romans, he suggests that we put on Jesus and migrate as a church from works of the flesh to becoming a living realm of the Holy Spirit. This is an urgent appeal to choose Jesus and grow in love with one another. Perhaps this is Paul's idea of what it means to put on Jesus, making the migration of love, choosing to love so deeply that we can show others our identity in Jesus Christ by loving one's neighbor and oneself, so that we can truly lean in to our call to pursue this agape love. Though I have only been a part of this church 
for a short period of time, I have witnessed frequent demonstrations of agape love. Like when church members and staff bring fresh cucumbers and tomatoes from their garden to share, or watching neighbors leave with a smile after receiving a bagged lunch at the weekly walk-in ministry. When I received an invitation from a church member to join their family for a morning walk, hearing how you miss attending worship on Sunday mornings in our usual space together, seeing smiles from a distance in your eyes at worship on Wednesdays. Honestly, I could keep going, but if I did that, we would likely be here until the wee hours of the evening, so I'll stop there for now. But for me, this is what it means to put on Jesus. Putting on the love of Jesus Christ is how we begin this lifelong journey of working towards agape love and ultimately fulfilling the law. So I ask you, friends, what does it mean to put on Jesus Christ? What does putting on love look like for you in your home? in your workspace, with your friends or with your enemies, how will you seek to define love in order to fulfill this imperative law? Love is the most powerful element in our walk with Jesus Christ. It is the very root of our journey to becoming an anti-racist society or eradicating poverty and pursuing justice. By putting on Jesus Christ, we are invited to help to find love for ourselves and one another. May we enter a new week, friends, eager to clothe ourselves in the love of Jesus, so that when we do so, we may cultivate a culture of love so unbelievable that everyone will know. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. And we pray that our unity will one day be restored. And they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. Amen.